You are listening to the Feast Podcast from the Light of Jesus family. We share here significant and heartfelt messages for you to reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face your challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. We're going to have a family meeting right now. How many of you have been here for more than two Sundays? Raise your hand. Good. If you raise your hand, I have something to tell you. Bad news. You're no longer a guest. Good news. You're part of the family. I want you to high five some 782 people around you and tell that person you're part of the fam. You really are. You really are. And so here's what we're going to do. Ask me what? I'm bringing you in. You're no longer going to stay in the living room. I want you to imagine this is our house. You don't sit in the living room. If you're part of the family, you sit in the kitchen. Around the kitchen table. That's where the family secrets are. So we're going to have some family secret time. Is that okay? Sit down. Touch somebody beside you. Tell that person God will speak to you today. And if that guy is a guy, tell that person, hello, kuya. If that person is a girl, tell that person, hello, ate. For the non-Filipinos, kuya means brother, ate means sister, because we're one big family. And it's very, very important. So we're going to have a family meeting. Are you ready? I, I let Audi preach, and, and he's going to come back to preach some more. But me, I'm going to have a family meeting with you. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. There is no perfect time to talk about religious power than in a series on leadership. Everybody say religious power. We need to talk about it as a family. Why? Ask me why. Because religious power is tricky. Say tricky. It's tricky because so many people think that religious leaders have this aura of holiness. That somewhere, somehow, religious leaders, because of their robes and their rituals and their rhetoric, what happens is that they're, they're kind of like one notch higher than other human beings. That's not true. Religious leaders are as human and as corrupt and are tempted in so many ways in the same way that other human beings are. I'm, 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 I'm going to tell you, there's a, there's a verse in, in the book of Jeremiah. Why don't we, why, why don't we look on that? Um, 17.9, it says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. And religious leaders, same thing. Same thing. We, we, we need to be aware of that. In fact, if you study human history, you find this out, that religious leaders down through the centuries in every epoch, in every culture, in every religion actually, you will find that religious leaders will always be tempted to mimic, say mimic, to mimic secular leaders, not Jesus. They will copy secular leaders. They will not copy Jesus. That's the temptation. Can I, can I prove it to you? Can I? Two. Number one, internal politics. Say internal politics. 
Look under the hood of any religious group and you will find politics. I don't care how spiritual, I don't care how religious. Even a monastery of six contemplative nuns, all in their 80s, will still have politics. You'll, you'll, you'll hear one nun say, that's my seat. And the other nun will say, why? I've been sitting there for 36 years. That's mine. Are you sure? Who are you? Alzheimer's na pala. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm telling you, man, any religious group will have politics, intrigues, cliques, jealousy, jockeying for power. You see it all the time. For example, why are there so many splits in religious groups? Do you know why? Ask me why. Here's my theory. The moment a group splits from another prayer group, church, what have you, split, that group, that, that split, that divided, that separated, has in its DNA seeds of division already. Just count a few years and they too will split. That, that's, that's the thing. And there, there's, a, there's a verse from, from Paul. I'm, I'm going to read that to you. St. Paul, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 4 to 5, it says, The human heart, I'm sorry, sorry. When one of you says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting like worldly people? After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are simply God's servants. Everybody say we're simply God's servants. Ephesians 4 verse 3 says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Friends, you want unity? You want, you want to maintain unity in this house? Ask me how. Louder. There can be no unity without humility. And unless leaders are foot washers, we will not have any unity. So number one is internal politics. That's one proof why there's inner corruption in all of us. Number two is external politics. Say external. Remember when I said that religious leaders will copy secular leaders? You're going to find that out, that religious leaders, they don't just want to lead their little groups. They want to rule the world. You, you just have to look at, for example, in the Middle Ages, the popes. They copied the kings of their age. And so popes during that time, starting on the 8th century and onwards, they, they began to sit on thrones and wear crowns, actual crowns. And they had armies and they waged war. I mean, what, what, what religious leader would do that? But that's the temptation of any religious leader. One of the last popes that still wore a crown was John Twenty-third. He's a saint now. He's canonized. But that's his picture. It's a three-tiered crown. And it, it represented so many things. And, and uh, he was the one who opened Vatican II. And one of the last popes to wear a crown. Uh, there was a, just a tr little trivia. There was a sultan in the Ottoman Empire in the 16th century who wore a four-tiered crown to tell the pope, you don't rule me. In Tagalog, wala yan sa lolo ko. 
to, to the non-Filipinos, I can't translate that. Never mind. But my point is that that's how powerful people act. You know, you're not, you're not better than me. I'm better than you, and I'm more powerful than you. Thanks be to God. In 1963, Pope Paul VI, he was the last pope to wear the crown. Because at the closing of Vatican II, he stands up from his chair, goes to the altar, lays his three-tiered tiara, the crown, on the altar to tell the world we are relinquishing worldly power. And the Catholic Church sold that crown and the proceeds were given to the poor. Beautiful gesture. Telling that world. Pope Francis continues to remove symbols of power. Today, he rather sit not on a throne, but on a white chair. And, you know, when, when you think about, like right now, there are no more kings. Well, there are a few countries with ceremonial kings, but mostly no more kings. So who are the new kings of this world? Ask me who. Celebrities. Hollywood. Sports athletes. Rock stars. Guess what's happening now? Religious leaders are copying the kings of this age. That's why there are celebrity pastors and celebrity preachers and celeb yes, celebrity priests and celebrity bishops. And that's why some of these guys, they, they own their own private jets and they, they drive their own Rolls Royces and they live in grand mansions. That's the problem. Because, I'm going to say it again, religious leaders will try to copy secular leaders and not Jesus. That's the temptation. I don't know if you've ever, ever been reading recently the news of the sex scandals in the Catholic Church. The grand jury the Pencil, from Pennsylvania, where you have 300 priests that are accused of Sexually abusing over a thousand victims in a span of 70 years. From the 1950s and the 1960s all the way until about 1985, 84. Uh, there are about two or three cases after that year. Uh, precisely because the Catholic Church has been, has been trying to really hammer down on, on a zero tolerance uh, policy now. But, but prior to that, and, and I was reading that. How many of you have ever... Were you appalled by that report, by that news? Horrible. And I know their pain. My heart bled for the victims. When I was 13 years old, I was molested by a religious leader. So I know what they're going through. It messes you up. It destroys, you know, your thinking and your self-worth. And it filled me with shame because I'm Catholic and I love my church and, and I see how horrible these crimes are. And yet I also know that 9 out of 10 sexual abuse cases in the world don't happen in churches. 9 out of 10 sexual abuses happen at home. At home. The perpetrators our brothers or cousins or uncles or stepfathers or step-grandfathers or family members or family friends. Sexual abuse, it's not a Catholic problem. It's a human problem. Bottom line, sex abuse happens. 
because it's an abuse of power. And we need to fight that. Lord Acton, 19th century politician said, maybe you're familiar with this phrase, power tends to corrupt. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. My dear friends, I've been trying my best to fight this inner corruption that is present in all of us. I'll be the first one to admit, I have become a celebrity preacher. Everywhere I go, selfie. Everywhere. I'm not kidding. I walk in a mall and 17 times people will stop me while I walk and ask for selfies. I've written 50 plus best-selling books. Two million followers on Facebook. If I don't watch it, if I'm not careful, I will be tempted. I will, be, I will, I will begin to think I deserve royal treatment. I deserve to own my jet plane. I deserve a grand mansion. I deserve a Rolls Royce if I don't watch it. And I keep reminding myself, my calling is not to be a celebrity. My calling is to be a foot washer. This is who I am. One of the ways I fought this this. this Corruption is, many, many years ago, I, de I, I decided I won't receive a salary from the tithes of the members of the light of Jesus. I support myself through my own little businesses. Just, just, just a little thing, just a, because of a, my sensitive position as the founder of the light of Jesus, it's a very precarious, very sensitive position. I said, I might as well make this decision. And then as a community, we did five things, five important things on how we would fight inner corruption. I want you to know that we've made a commitment that we will use as little power as possible to fulfill our mission. That's our commitment. We need to use power. Speaking in front of you, that's already power. But can we use as little as power as possible so that we depend not on our power, but we depend on the source of all power? His name is Jesus. That, 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 that's the temptation. And, and we need to fight. So five things. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. Number one, we want to be a movement that's centered on Jesus. Not on, not on me, not on any other figure. On Jesus. And, and you know... Two thousand fourteen, the position presiding elder disappeared from our community. I was presiding elder for many years. Two thousand fourteen, we erased that position. We divided the community into the international region, the provincial region, and the Mega Manila region. And each of those regional builders, you know, love each other, uh, uh, pray for each other, work together, but no one is leader over any of the three. We decided no more. And, and then what we did was, was we, we started breaking off the different districts and making them all autonomous. The, 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 thing, the thing I find what other groups do is that they'll try to put legal structures 
and legal systems so that it prevents splits and it prevents people from suing one another. All that for me is horse manure. I believe nothing will stop you from suing each other with all these legal structures. At the end of the day, what will keep you together are our relationships. That's it. How strong and how deep are those relationships are. And we've made a commitment to do that. I, uh, why, I told you already, 2000, 2020, two years from now, I'm stepping down as regional builder of, the, of, of Mega Manila. It'll be my last official title. Why? Nothing will change, by the way. Nothing will change. Uh, I'm, I'll still be preaching. I'll still be visiting feasts. But I, I will not be the final decision maker anymore for Mega Manila. And I love that. And I'm looking forward to that. And why am I doing that? Three things. Number one, because I believe in younger leaders. You know, look around you. 70% of the population of the Philippines is below the age of 30. And young, young, we need young leaders. Is there a young leader, young person beside you? Tell that person you're, you're called. You're called. Number two, I need to set an example that the culture of this community is that we pass the baton with joy. That's the culture. That's who we are. And, and I need to set an example that I'm going to do that. Number two. So number one, we're a movement centered in Jesus. Number two, we want to be decentralized as a movement. We farmed out all our other ministries. Once upon a time, Light of Jesus was an umbrella organization that had media ministries like publications and radio and TV. And we had mercy ministries like Anoim and so on. We farmed them out. We said, go on your own way. Be, be separate from us legally and financially. And, and we, we had Light of Jesus own the five-hectare property of Anoim, our, our ministry for the abandoned elderly. We donated that to, to Anoim. We told them, set up your own board of directors. You're now independent. And why do we do that? We do not want too much power. We say, go, you know, be on your own. But we will work together as one family, as brothers and sisters. And... It's, we've made a decision. Each district now of different feasts will be independent in the sense of autonomous financially and legally, but spiritually we're connected. That's what we want to become. We are a starfish, not a spider. Have you seen a spider? You crush the head and it dies. We're a starfish. There is a certain, uh, there's a certain family of starfishes where if you cut the arm, you know what happens to the cut arm? It grows. Do you know what happens to the arm itself that was cut? It becomes another starfish. That's the light of Jesus today. The different feasts around the world, there is no head. You, there, there is none. If there is going to be an intensity 25 earthquake in Manila and all of us die, hope not. No, that's just, just, just a horrible analogy example. You know what? The other feasts will survive because we're a starfish. We are centered on Jesus. In our ladder of values, we value trust more than control. That's what we want. Number three, this is a radical move. We want to be a movement that is poor. 
Yes, that is poor. We want community to be poor, not to own too much. Big swaths of land or buildings, you know, like humongous buildings. No, maybe tiny ones, yes. But, and, and, and the reason why is this. You know, in the past, uh, religious groups grew rich because religious groups owned property and invested in the stock market. And, but the, the, many of the members remained poor because the, the gr- religious group did not teach their members. We've reversed that. For the past 10 years, we've been teaching our members to invest in the stock market and to get into business. But we want to remain poor. Ask me why. I have this theory that when religious groups become rich, it muddles and distracts us from our mission because our decision-making gets very complicated because our decision-making is influenced by preserving the wealth that we have. And that's why I want to remain poor. And I want you to be rich. Because if you're rich, then you will help whatever ministry we have. And number four. We want our movement's leaders to be bivocational. Meaning to say doing ministry, but having a job or a business on the side. We want that. And the, the, the reason is this. And, and, and you know what? I just came last Friday, two days ago. I just went to our congress for emissaries, feast emissaries. They lead their own feasts. They come from all over the world, from all over the Philippines, Mindanao and, and Visayas and Luzon. And we had people from, from the Middle East and we had people from Europe and we had people from China. And they were gathered in Batangas and I spoke to them. And, and, and I was just looking at them and, and, and I was saying, whoa, these are all volunteers. of all our leaders are volunteers. They're not paid. Not a single cent. They lead their feasts as volunteers. Working in their jobs. Doing their own business. 1% of our leaders lead bigger scopes of responsibility. So we pay them part-time only. Because they still have their jobs and they still have their businesses. But we take too much time from them that we give them an allowance. Now, the reason why we do this, there are no full-time leaders in the community. Like, like they don't have any job and they don't have any business. They, they purely, we don't have that. The, the reason why is because we want to multiply quickly. Because now it costs almost nothing to build a feast. And that's why we have five, 520 plus feasts around the world. Because it's quick and it's easy. And am I making sense to you? The other thing, because they're bivocational, there are some benefits. Number one, when, when a bivocational preacher preaches, he has a lot of practical experiences to share. Number two, people can identify with that guy. Oh, yeah, he works hard. Oh, yeah, he has a job. Oh, yeah, he, can, uh, he has my experiences. Number three, third benefit is that leaders can step down a little bit easier. Because sometimes leaders stick to their titles and their positions because there's a salary that's pretty big. Am I making sense? So we've removed that. And it's less complicated. What, what I want to share with you is we've made that decision. And I'm excited. I'm excited for everyone here just to be led by the Lord to build their own feast.
Let me tell you about one feast in Laguna. They have 200 people attending that feast. How many? 200. In the past two years, the members were challenged, and now there are 18 small feasts around them. How many attending the, the, the 18 feasts? How many? 1,000. 200 in the feast, and they built 18 more small ones. And I'm saying, wow, this is it. Let, let me shock you. Do you know that by the year 2030, China will be the biggest Christian country in the world? Do you know why? Ask me why. Persecution. You know why? Ask me why again. Because they could not build big churches. They had to build home churches. But they didn't realize it. Home churches is the fastest way to multiply because you've got bivocational leaders who are not paid, but they just do it out of the heart. And, and, they, and, and you know, there is no ordination system. It's like, you know, anybody can just volunteer and say, can I build a home church? My dear friends, we have home churches now. They're called feasts. And you can build one in your home. If you've got five neighbors who will come together around your kitchen table and you start talking about God, and if you want to use my video, do that. If you want to open the Bible and get our teaching, I don't know, but just start a feast. Brother Bo, mahiya inaku. Then gather two or three or four or five other friends around you and say, can we help one another? Let's do it together. Tell somebody beside you, let's do it together. I'm challenging all of you. Let's start a feast where you are. Make it happen. Number five, we will never endorse politicians. In the past 38 years, we've never done so. We will never do it. My role is not to endorse candidates. My role is to educate consciences. Because if I give you a politician name and say, this is who you vote, you know what I'm doing? I'm insulting your intelligence. You're not a kid. You're an adult. You choose. My role, teach values. Now here's the thing. The temptation is this. Why don't I want to endorse candidates? I'll tell you why. If I endorse a candidate and he wins, you know what happens? I gain spiritual power over that person. I gain political power. I can ask favors. And that's why you've got religious groups and that's why you've got churches who have police power and military power because their candidates won. I don't want that. I don't want too much power. I want only the power of God working in us. And, and, and how do we love our country? We love our country by building feasts, small transformational communities, maybe five people, maybe 10 people, maybe 200 people. Doesn't matter. You build one. And like to close this. I hope you own this community. I hope you own this feast. I hope you own this mission. You're no longer a guest. You're part of this. You're a member of the family. I'll be away for three Sundays. I'll be going to the U.S., First, I'll be speaking to the leaders of the feasts in the West Coast, L.A., etc. Number two, we found this amazing Catholic campus ministry there that we're going to copy. 
They're amazing. They've got 500 young missionaries working in 100 campuses. You know, whenever we see something great happening, like something wonderful all over in anywhere, we'd go there and we'll copy. So we're going there. We're going to pick their brains. We're going to research. And then we're going to, you do that. You should, you, should, you should do that for your career, for your business, for your family. Yes or no? So that's what we're doing. And then the third thing we're going to do there is we're going to attend a conference. Uh, all pastors, all Protestant pastors, we'll, we'll be the only Catholics. We'll be attending 2,000 of them, and we're going we're gonna to learn, and we're going to, again, learn. Whatever we're going to learn, we're going to bring back here. That's our spirit. Our culture is we love to learn. We love to learn, we love to learn, we love to keep on learning, and, we lo- and that's the attitude I want you to have. Now, I'll be away for three Sundays. You know what the guest will do? Ay, wala si Bo. Pagbalik na lang niya ako, babalik. That's what a guest will do. That's what guests do. And if you're a guest, do that. But if you are a family member, you will come every single Sunday because you love God and you love these people and you've embraced this mission and, and secretly in your heart you're saying, God, call me. Call me to, to serve you. Call me to love you through this feast. Call me to build another feast. I mean, whatever, whatever. Let, let me serve. Let me do something for you. This is your community. This is your family. We're going to, we're going to make Jesus famous we're going to make people love Jesus. We're going to change lives. We're going to make disciples. Odi Villarasa, come and preach. Thank you, Brother Bo. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Can I invite everybody to stand up? We're going to wrap things up. Can I move here? Just some disclaimer for the people in front. Make sure you have your mouths closed. You not only get inspiration, you might get perspiration. (laughs) In the mission that God is going to give to you as you become leaders wherever he's planted you, just like what you've heard Brother Bo say. Can you hear me? All right. You will encounter some problems. You will encounter some storms. I want to teach you something real quick. How many of you want to learn how to outlast and endure the storms that pass through your way? You want to learn how? I'll teach it to you in a story. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, the scripture tells of one time that the disciples found themselves in a boat headed towards a destination. We didn't know where it was, but they thought they wanted to get to that destination. They thought it was going to be a smooth sail. But all of a sudden, everybody say all of a sudden. All of a sudden, a storm smashed into their boat. You know the story. And they caught themselves in a big squall. And they never expected it. See, in life, sometimes that happens. That's how storms come. You don't expect it. You don't pray for it. It just comes. Just like that that bill that came that you didn't have the budget for but needed to be paid. Just like that bad doctor's report that you never saw coming. But now it's been handed to you. Just like that breakup that you never expected. But it still came. Storms come unannounced like an uninvited guest. But here's one part that I really love about the story. That three synoptic gos- the, the three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, said the same thing in their story. That while the storm was happening, there was Jesus sleeping through the storm. He was asleep in the boat. And this, 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 this image in my head, I love it so much because it tells me 
that God is not intimidated by the storms that you face. He cannot be bullied by the burdens of this world. And I love that fact. But here's one last thing that I need to say and we close with this, all right? The reason why the disciples were so afraid and they were panicking, they didn't know what to do when they were in the boat and the storm was smashing them and rocking them was the, the reason why they were feeling like that was because they forgot that Jesus was in the same boat in the middle of the storm. And in your life today, my dear friends, I don't know what kinds of storms you're facing. Maybe physical, maybe emotional, maybe financial. Whatever that storm is, you got to always remember that Jesus is in the middle of the storm with you. And the disciples, they, were, they got so afraid because they forgot that Jesus was there. So they tried waking him and said, Jesus, you got to wake up to the situation that we're in. And sometimes that's what you do. Jesus, you got to wake up to this bill that I got to pay. You got to wake up to this relationship that needs to be healed. You got to wake up to so many things that you got to do. And the disciples were telling Jesus, you got to wake up, Jesus, to this situation. And Jesus says, no, you got to wake up to who I am. God doesn't need to wake up to all your problems. Maybe you're the one who needs to wake up to God's presence in your life. You need to alert yourself that I've got a God who is bigger than all my burdens. Don't you ever forget that Jesus, as long as Jesus is in your boat, the one who can command the waves and the wind to be still, there is your link to power. That is your link to peace. That is your link to purpose. Even despite the storm that you swim through, that you go through, you know that Jesus is in my boat. And he's going to stay with me. And he's going to shout, quiet, be still. That's your connection. You are linked to the Almighty God. So can I invite you, if you're comfortable, make that link today. Raise your hand, lift it up. Even if it's uncomfortable to you, this is your connection to God right now. Stretch your hands, both hands if you're able to. And they say, dear Lord, I need you in my life right now. You are my anchor. You are my vessel. And I need you. Teach me. Love me. And change me. I am a part of something that you are doing in this world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Light of Jesus family. For more messages like these, please visit lightfam.com slash podcasts.